The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast 2021 Player Reviews. I'm Josh Nelson. In the upcoming months, we'll be selecting a player or position group to recap their 2021 season discussing if said player or players met or exceeded expectations and what does their near future outlook appear to be with the 2022 Chicago White Sox. After missing all of 2019 due to Tommy John surgery and opting out of the 2020 season for personal reasons, it was just great to see Michael Kopech back in a White Sox uniform for the 2021 season. The questions leading up to the season were plenty for Kopech. Is he fully healthy? Is he mentally ready for the Major League Baseball grind? Would he even start the season in Major League Baseball? Or is it better for Kopech to start in AAA and work on being a starting pitcher? Or is it better for Kopech to pitch out of the White Sox bullpen? After a strong spring training that saw Kopech reestablish the premium velocity and slider he's been known for since the White Sox acquired him in the Chris Sale trade, the White Sox decided it was best for Kopech to be with the Major League team and pitch out of the bullpen. There was going to be an innings limit on Kopech in 2021, and the White Sox figured it would be best if they handled Kopech to use those precious innings, helping win a divisional title then use them in AAA. Kopech made his first appearance on April 2nd in Anaheim, pitching two scoreless innings, striking out three in the White Sox 12-8 victory. Kopech's next appearance was three days later in Seattle and once again pitched two scoreless innings, this time striking out five. It was early, but the White Sox had quite the bullpen weapon. After his third appearance was scoreless, Kopech allowed his first run against Cleveland on April 15th. Three days later, on a doubleheader in Boston, manager Tony La Russa tapped Kopech to start the second game, his first major league start since his injury in 2018. Against a tough Boston Red Sox lineup, Kopech only allowed one run in three innings off one hit and one walk while striking out four. 
It was such an impressive start that Larusa decided to give Kopech another crack at starting a game while Lance Lynn went on the injured list. Six days later, at home against the Texas Rangers, Kopech once again dazzled. On 87 pitches, Kopech went five innings pitched, four hits allowed, one earned run allowed, walking none and striking out 10. It's the type of start you put on a resume tape to convince any Major League Baseball front office and coaching staff that despite missing the past two seasons, Kopech still had it. That it being the ability of a frontline starting pitcher. After the month of April, Kopech made six appearances, starting two games, pitching 15.2 innings with a 1.72 ERA, striking out 27 to just walking four. The conversation concerning Kopech became, when will we see Kopech make starts for the White Sox instead of just being in the bullpen? Once Lance Lynn returned, so did Kopech back to the bullpen when he made three more reliever appearances until his next start on May 14th. Again, another doubleheader against Kansas City. It wasn't as dynamic of a start against Texas, but Kopech went four innings allowing just a solo home run while striking out five and walking two. Kopech was on a roll leading up to his appearance against the St. Louis Cardinals on May 26th. With a season ERA of just 1.72, Kopech was a big reason why the White Sox were leading the American League Central. Unfortunately, Kopech suffered a pretty significant hamstring injury in that appearance. And that was coming off the heels of the White Sox losing Luis Robert to a lower half injury. A couple weeks later, after Kopech got hurt, Nick Magical would be lost for the season with another lower half injury. Kopech would return to the White Sox after missing all of the month of June as he pitched on July 1st against the Minnesota Twins. In his next two appearances coming off the IL, Kopech didn't strike out a hitter, which is odd, but he didn't allow a run, which is good. Kopech had seven straight scoreless appearance streak that ended on July 20th against Minnesota when he allowed a solo home run. However, Kopech would follow up with three more scoreless appearances. So from May 24th to July 28th, spanning 11 appearances, Kopech only allowed one run and had a season ERA of 1.52. That changed on July 31st, a day after the trade deadline when the White Sox acquired Craig Kimbrell and Ryan Tepera to strengthen the bullpen. In a loss against Cleveland, Kopech allowed five hits and five earned runs in just one inning. By far the worst outing of his season to date, and it's the appearance that started Kopech's slide in the second half of 2021. Kopech picked up another loss, giving up two earned runs against Oakland in August, and again allowed five earned runs in another appearance against Toronto on August 26th. Those two bad outings spiked his month ERA to 6.97 for August, which was by far the worst month of Kopech's season. Things calmed down in September for Kopech after he allowed four earned runs off two home runs in Kansas City on September 1st. Kopech would only allow three more earned runs in that month, and he did make another start, the first since May, against Cleveland in another doubleheader, which Kopech only pitched the first two innings, but they were perfect, and he struck out four batters. Kopech's last appearance of the season was on October 3rd, 
when he was stretched out to three innings as he struck out six Detroit Tigers batters. His final regular season numbers were 44 appearances, making four starts, 69 and one-third innings pitched with a 3.50 ERA. His war value from baseball reference was 1.3, and Kovac had 103 strikeouts and 24 walks. For a pitcher who missed the last two seasons, this was still a very good year for Michael Kopech. Come the postseason, there was a lot of pressure on Kopech, as the thought plan was to use him in the likes of maybe Nathan Eovaldi during the Boston Red Sox run to their 2018 World Series championship. A pitcher who could help bridge the gap from whoever was starting to Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks. The thought was maybe we would see Kopech in every single postseason game. That appeared on paper to be a winning formula, but Larusa didn't use Kopech in Game 1 as it got out of hand early for the White Sox, and he didn't use Kopech in Game 2. That decision is largely indefensible, as the White Sox had a 4-2 lead going into the bottom of the 5th inning. Lucas Giolito, the Game 2 starter, was already losing his command, and it felt like a perfect time to use Kopech for the 5th and 6th innings to bridge to the White Sox high leverage relievers. That didn't happen, of course. Giolito started the inning, walking two. Larusa went to Garrett Crochet, who coughed up the lead. An opportunity for the White Sox to use Kopech and trying to force a split series heading home was lost. In Game 3, Kopech was finally used after Dylan Cease failed to make it out of the second inning in his start. Kopech covered two and a third innings, but he also allowed three earned runs on 47 pitches, including a home run. The White Sox were down 5-1 after Kopech left, but came back to win Game 3 12-6 thanks to the offense finally kicking into high gear. Larusa went back to Kopech in Game 4, and Kopech was worse for the wear. The White Sox rarely used Kopech on back-to-back -back days, and it showed, as Kopech allowed three earned runs on three hits as he recorded just two outs. In three innings against Houston in the postseason, Kopech allowed six earned runs. 2021 started off terrific for Kopech, but ended on shaky ground. With the high possibility of Carlos Rodon leaving the White Sox in free agency, there's an opening in the starting rotation for Kopech to fulfill and be used every fifth day instead of every three days out of the bullpen. Or the White Sox could decide to find another starting pitcher to fill that gap if they don't think Kopech is ready. And that's the big question heading into this 2021 offseason and spring training. Is Michael Kopech finally ready to be part of the White Sox starting rotation five years after the White Sox acquired him? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Continuing the conversation about Michael Kopech's 2021 season is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis, and hello again, Jim. It was great to see Michael Kopech pitch for the Chicago White Sox, as we didn't see him at all in 2019 and 2020. How would you grade his first full Major League season performance? It's it, it's a tough grade to give just because I bounced a few around in my head, and it's hard to set aside like the expectations versus his ceiling versus the fact that we haven't seen him pitch in a while. So... To me, I keep coming back to a C plus, which feels a little bit low, but I think what keeps me out of giving him a B is that we still don't exactly know where he can best be utilized, and he still didn't quite answer that question. You know, he, right now, the plan is calling for him to go to the rotation, and I think he didn't quite answer exactly how that's going to look. On that point, as far as how it's going to look, the usage of the White Sox or Michael Kopech varied during the season. He appeared in 44 games, but made four starts. Two of those starts were in April. He made another start in May. And then we didn't see Kopech start another game until September. Did you like the White Sox usage of Michael Kopech in 2021? I didn't, but I don't know if it was the White Sox usage of them or their decision of how to use them or whether it was that hamstring injury that caused them to reconsider exactly how they're going to get him across the finish line. Because, you know, the, the hamstring injury he had cost him all the, the, the month of June. And so, you know, from April 2nd, you know, his first outing through May 26th, that's his uh, you know, first 14 games. You know, over those 14 games, he averaged or he, he threw 31 innings. So that's more than two innings in appearance. And now I'm looking at his you know, post-injury return, which covers a longer span of time, but 30 games, he threw 38 innings. So, you know, it's barely, uh, you know, more than one. And when you look at his effectiveness in those games, he had a 4.97 ERA from, you know, his, his July 1st on. He had some really ugly outings. He had, uh, uh, you know, some, some dominant stretches, but he also had games where, like, his slider wasn't a factor. And it wasn't until the end of the season where he started seeing the two to three inning appearances start piling up. And that's because, you know, the White Sox were trying to gear him up for maybe some tandem slash piggyback assignments in the postseason, which didn't materialize partially because Tony LaRusse is really hesitant to go to him in game two and probably had the best chance of mattering. Yeah, it's a case where, you know, I just don't know how much health was involved. I'd say if health was really just kind of a minor concern, it was more a matter of just these 
rough stretches he had, uh, diminishing the enthusiasm for stretching him out, I would say that's probably counterproductive in the big picture. And I don't think it really all helped that much for the remainder of the 2021 season even. But if they were just trying to not re-aggravate the hamstring injury, uh, thinking like this could flare up again, if he was having... And there, and there was evidence that his mechanics were compromised a little bit by the hamstring issue. Maybe they just didn't want to have him overloaded, have some kind of cascade issue going from his legs to his arms and, and really just kind of turn everything back to how it was before the season where we just hadn't seen him in a while and didn't know what to expect at all. So if they thought that was the best way to get him across the finish line and have him pitching his first ever six-month season, even if it was five months because he missed all of June, uh, then I think, you know, they did what they could. So that's why I don't know. But ideally, I think we would have seen him take the spot that Reynaldo Lopez handled, where he was the spot starter. He was the sixth starter who then became the fifth starter as, you know, Lynn and Giolito took turns missing time and Dallas Keuchel got roughed up. Uh, that would have been the ideal role for Kopech by the end of the season, throwing three, four, five innings. Instead, he was more or less a one-inning guy who wasn't entrusted or just wasn't necessary for the one-inning appearances you normally see in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. So Michael Kopech has been with the, with the White Sox since 2017. As far as in the farm system, we got a chance to see him in 2018. Then, of course, he gets hurt, and then COVID, and he opts out of the 2020 season, and then he returns to the White Sox in 2021. It's a, it's a similar question to pose as Yoan Mikata, when we had that episode, we talked about do we have an understanding of what Yoan Mikata is? Pairing it now with Michael Kopech, because obviously they're a part of the same trade. At this point, entering the 2022 season, Jim, do we know what the White Sox have in Michael Kopech? I would say we have an idea of the floor, which is, you know, a good right-handed reliever who could potentially be great, but we still really don't know what his ceiling is, what his capabilities are as a starter. And that's why I think it was, that's why I came back to C plus because I would have liked to see a little bit more answered in the affirmative for just his ability to stay with a rotation spot and throw five innings every five days. Yeah. We still don't know, do we? No, we don't know if he can handle being a starting pitcher. We, I think so. I believe so. Especially what we saw in 2017 and 2018, especially in the minor leagues, especially in 2018. And when he made that start late April where he struck out 10 in five innings, I bought into the fact, yeah, Michael Kopech could be one of the best starting pitchers the White Sox have in 2022 and beyond. Maybe Michael Kopech will force the issue in 2021. That obviously didn't materialize. And after the 2021 season, I am still hopeful Michael Kopech can be an impact starter. There's just very little data and actual results uh, that really don't help support until we actually see him take the ball every fifth day in a starting role. And the last time he did that is going to be like three and a half years later after after uh, 2018 and, of course, after Tommy John surgery and COVID in 2020. Now, when Kopech started games in 2021, again, the four starts, uh, we saw a four-pitch mix from Kopech, four-seam, slider, curveball, changeup. 
when he was in relieving situations, uh, we often just saw fastball and slider. Depending on how Kopech is used in 2022, Jim, even if it's out of the bullpen to start the season, do you think we need to see more of a pitch mix from Kopech? I think so. Um, and, and one of the, I think, the confusing things in trying to evaluate him is when he came back from the injury from July on, his slider wasn't nearly as good. And that, that's what um, you know, led to some of these really bumpy outings, these rough stretches where he'd give up, you know, he'd be scored upon in, in consecutive outings. Or I should say, like, he, he would get hit a lot. He'd get a hit around a lot. Um, the, the batting average against him rose. And it, it's hard to track, like, when it comes to, like, aggregate stats just because, like, he's talented enough and the slider is a good enough pitch to where it's going to get a lot of swings and misses and chases. But there was a good uh, post written on, on Sox Machine in the, sh- in the Shop Talk section uh, by E. Krusty. It was called What's Wrong with the Ponytail Gang? And he's talking about Kopech and uh, along with Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks. And with Kopech, like, I had looked at the his slider usage and saw, like, some you know, some sliders that just weren't moving were spinning on him. And he was able to kind of figure out how to quantify that. And he just said, like, there are more sliders that stayed in the strike zone. Uh, It wasn't the put-away pitch he wanted to throw. They kind of spun and they got hit when they were put into play. And it's like they weren't, um, you know, it's basically like a 5-6% jump in sliders in in the strike zone. It doesn't sound like much, but it can lead to situations where just – hitters are able to capitalize on slider counts, getting a hittable slider that they, they're already geared up for. And I, I think that kind of um, execution or the inconsistent execution on his primary breaking pitch is, I think, probably my biggest question mark for Kopech going into 2022 is just how good is a slider? Because we saw the same thing with Carlos Rodon late in the 20, uh, yeah, this past season, where... August, September into October, like he just couldn't find that power slider, couldn't find that back foot slider against righties. We saw it uh, really just come to the fore in game four when he had that uh, count against Carlos Correa 0-2 and try to go high fastball and Correa, you basically turn the game around on the pitch when really a slider wouldn't, a classic Rodon slider would have put the at bat away and Rodon just did not have that classic slider. Like Kopech was missing his best slider for a lot of the season. And I think, you know, part of it's because of the compromise he had in his mechanics coming back from the hamstring issue. And, you know, perhaps that's a case where, you know, when we think about the White Sox and the big change they've made so far staff-wise with parting ways with uh, Alan Thomas, their strength and conditioning coordinator, I wonder if that's one of the things they're looking at, like the hamstring issues that, uh, you know, Tim Anderson had, that Kopech had, that, uh, you know, the issues that Adam Engel had staying on the field, like these kind of injury issues that plagued the Sox and stayed with them for a while. You know, perhaps Kopech is one of the things that contributed to a change there. But if he can come back and, and resemble the form he had in the first half, then I think his pitch mix is more or less fine. Like fastball slider carrying the weight and the changeup doesn't have to be that good, but it just needs to be something. The curveball, you know, giving a slightly different tilt in speed on the breaking ball helps. But really, the fastball slider is going to be driving the situation. And and if it looks like he did in the first half before the injury, that should be more than enough the way that fastball slider was more than enough Carlos Rodon and the, and the changeup was there just as a show-me pitch or a strike grabber. And I think uh, with Kopech, it's going to be the same thing. And I think watching him come out of the gate in April... 
I think the slider is going to be the pitch watch just to understand exactly how good that pitch is and how much he needs the other pitches to really flesh out an arsenal or whether he's fine basically being a two and a half pitch pitcher. We are recording this review podcast before the White Sox make any significant changes to their pitching staff. The chances of Carlos Rodon returning to the White Sox is really slim. Rodon was a five-war pitcher, according to Baseball Reference in 2021, even though he pitched 132 and two-thirds innings for the White Sox. If Michael Kopech is primarily a starting pitcher for the White Sox in 2022, Jim, I think he can replace Rodon's innings total, but do you think Kopech can replace the quality of innings that Rodon is leaving behind? That seems like a stretch just because Rodon was almost a Cy Young favorite probably for stretches of the season, depending on, uh, you know, I think there was a slim window where Garrett Cole was dropping off and, and Rodon still maintained his surge and he looked like he might be the guy to actually win the Cy Young. And I don't know if Kopech will have that stretch just because um, even Rodon, like, you know, before the season had stretches where he was a very good major league starter and Kopech has just not been able to show that yet. Um, so I wouldn't expect that. I think mentally when I'm trying to sign expectations and roles and production, I think I would have Kopech in maybe the Dylan Cease role entering 2021, where as a fifth starter, as somebody who's kind of bringing up the rear, you like having him there because the ceiling is high. The floor might be lower than you want because of just the, um, well, in, in Cease's case, it was just very erratic and, and really had command and control problems for innings at a time, whereas Kopech is just more of a matter of availability. Uh, but the ceiling is also pretty high for a fifth starter that you don't normally see. So I think, you know, if you have uh, Kopech in the cease role where you're hoping for like a, like a two-win season, you know, when it comes to wins above replacement, not pitching wins, <laughs> uh, a two-war season would be fine for Kopech going through his first full year but he might be able to post four or five. Like you can't count that out. So that's great. And then you just, you know, you, you try to make up the absence of Rodon's upside from like cease uh, cementing his gains from Dallas Keuchel. If he's still around rebounding and then, you know, just hopefully a little bit more innings from, uh, uh, from Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito being more of a team wide effect to m- make up for what they they're losing with Rodon. But I wouldn't rule it out that Kopech could, somehow have it all click, but I think that would require like a a seamless Chris Sale-like transition from bullpen to rotation. And I think we've seen, you know, all the pitchers attempted to be fast-tracked after uh, Sale was successful. I think the lesson there is to not uh, underestimate just how difficult that is. For me, I wouldn't even contemplate it because I think very highly of Michael Kopech, but I know other Major League Baseball teams do as well. And as we just mentioned, the White Sox have a hole in their starting staff with Carlos Rodon probably not returning to the White Sox. That's five war missing from their pitching staff from 2021 going to 2022. And we know that the White Sox have other holes in their roster that they want to approve upon. Do you think the White Sox, depending on what the possible return is, of course, would be willing to move Kopech if it meant bringing in another all-star caliber player into the fold. I wouldn't count it out just because, uh, you know, the, the, the likeness that comes to mind, you mentioned it when we were talking about, uh, you know, in, in the, in our podcast episode, after the GM meetings, you talked about the White Sox 
perhaps adding a starter and maybe bumping Michael Kopech out of the top five and, and starting him in the bullpen uh, just, you know, for maintaining that kind of strong one through five presence and having the depth that Kopech represents. Um, but, you know, what comes to mind for me, you know, I mentioned it before is Brandon McCarthy and how he was handled in 2005 and 06 and then traded in 07 or after the 06 season before the 07 season for John Danks. And I could see a similar case there just because, you know, with Kopech, you've had the the injury issues, you've had the, uh, you know, the inconsistency when it comes to the slider and you, you know, perhaps it's a case where you just don't know how well-rounded his arsenal will be and whether he can maintain looks against a lineup three times through over the course of six months. And, you know, his, his ceiling is high, his floor is lower than you want. And if you simulate his career, you know, hundred times, you could have like, you know, maybe 30 or so where he just nothing quite materializes. Like he's always been, as long as the White Sox have had him, one of the most difficult pitchers to project for the systems to handle, for Zips and Pakoda and such to handle, just because the difference between his best and his worst and, and what the scouts think and what the, his, his, you know, erratic history and, and uh, his sparse history because of the, the full missed seasons he's had, just there, there's, there's some gaps there that are hard to account for. And if you simulated his career a hundred times, like 30 times, you might get a career that just really isn't much. And you might've wished you traded him. So I think you have to have that in mind. If the right deal comes up, you know, you might think Kopech's untouchable, but then somebody says, uh, well, we're trying to get out from a pitcher with, you know, not try to get out, but try to evolve the roster spot from a pitcher who is an all-star, but we're not going to have beyond 2023. And we think Kopech would fit our timeline a lot better. What do you think? Like, uh, and so that's why I, I think there are trades there that make sense and, and make me think like, wouldn't reject it out of hand, would listen just because there is a floor concern with Kopech that I think needs to be respected. Here is a crazy idea. Maybe it's a crazy idea. I'll let you be the judge. What about the possibility of taking Michael Kopech, in which after a conversation, there's still some uncertainty about Kopech, and trading him for someone that has provided a little bit more certainty and is an old friend and is under contract for two more years in Oakland's Frankie Montas? Maybe, like, in terms of the talent and and what Montas has shown... That would seem pretty fair and, and pretty agreeable to um, just what the White Sox have uh, could use in the rotation and could use in the postseason. It's just that Montas has only had one season with more than 100 innings. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a case where I just don't, and, and you know, the White Sox traded him because of injury issues or the potential for recurring injury issues. So that's why I think like the talent is right, but I don't know if you're getting away from the case where, uh, you can count on him being around for six months. Well, Michael Kopech is also in that same boat. Yeah. But I just think if you're trading Kopech and you're tra- and you have the years ahead to get it right. Like, I think you'd rather use that kind of talent and that kind of ceiling and acquire somebody you just feel might have a better chance of being around at the White Sox, you know, seeing what they saw up close, just didn't like him being a uh, Montas being a great bet for, year-to-year durability. Yeah, the the one pitcher that I would love the White Sox to, if there's ever a way to acquire, would be Jack Flaherty. 
obviously because of the you know the, the pitching coach situation he's besties with uh Lucas Giolito and I I think of the world of Jack Flaherty I think he's a very good pitcher maybe that is a possibility as well but I just don't see St. Louis moving on <laughs> from Jack Flaherty it's kind of hard to drop trade ideas and it would make sense to move Michael Kopak that's why I started this conversation I wouldn't even contemplate moving Michael Kopak but you never know Somebody may call or the White Sox may call about a particular player and that team really wants Michael Kopech. And are we, or I should say, are the White Sox in a position where after, again, he's been part of the system now for four years, hopefully the White Sox have a better idea of what they have in Michael Kopech than what everybody else has seen from the outside of just his performance or as far as his injury history or opting out of seasons Mm-hmm. And it is something that I, I can't completely dismiss. I want to completely dismiss Jim, if that makes sense, because I would love to see what Michael Kopech can do in the White Sox starting pitching staff, but also trying to be even-handed here. I can't completely dismiss the idea of the White Sox moving Michael Kopech because he's probably their best trade asset. Uh, I use this with the Jose Abreu podcast saying that's fun. You know, just the possibilities and, and not having a strong idea of just how good of a season a guy can have. Like it's fun to follow, fun to write about, fun to have some guesses and then put them up against what actually happens. But yeah, I think Montas, you know, might be the, you know, I think his career is, is a good possibility or good comp for how Copex could look. Just, it could take a long time for him to get to peak form, but he might get there eventually and reward your patience in a way that feels sustainable and, and, and feels dominant when you're watching him uh, go about his business. So I like that. Yeah. I like that you brought him up because I think that's a, a useful pitcher to both argue a trade for like, you know, cause it took him five years in Oakland to finally put it all together, uh, you know, for 30 starts. Um, but it could also be like a good reason to uh, hold on to him just because that fifth year could show up in two years rather than five in the case of Montas. So I, I do like that, uh, that comp just in terms of just how to frame his inconsistency and trans, you know, making a transition from relief to the rotation with the kind of stuff he has. We'll see if Michael Kopech is in the starting rotation. Again, we are recording this review podcast before the White Sox make any significant additions to their roster we are assuming Carlos Rodon is not returning. So at this point of our recording, Michael Kopech is slotted into the back end of the starting rotation for the White Sox. And we'll see if that holds up as we inch closer to spring training 2022. And Jim, thanks again for helping recap Michael Kopech's 2021 season. Always a pleasure. Let's do more of them. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.